0: This is Don Adams, the Marine Corps Bill's men. Get smart. See your Marine Corps representative today.
1: You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show.
2: Let's get ready. Trumbo. And here he is, the head cheese meister.
3: It's, woo, Spud goodman greetings anna ola i am spud goodman (laughs) the spud man (laughs) welcome to the very first episode of my brand new podcast inside the spud goodman radio show now some of our old listeners might wonder why why do a podcast when you have your own radio show for a buttload of years good question i've kind of taken a leave of absence from doing that show and thought maybe doing something that could be any length and done when i feel like it like a podcast about the show, you know, it might be more fun. You know, it'd be it still tastes great, but be less filling. Yeah, I'll attest to the fact that making good sound decisions in my career has always been a problem for me. You know, I, we're, we're, I guess we're going to see how horrible this one turns out to be in a few months. Anyway, let me introduce our designated laugher, who will still be with me on this new thing. Uh, my aunt Dorothy, C- can you give everyone a decent chuckle?
4: Sure. You know, there's no pressure on this dumb little podcast. Here you go.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, that chuckle would have almost been good enough for the old radio show. Almost. Really? Well... It's, it's okay, it's okay. Anyway, I'm, I'm now forced to, yes, introduce my former temporary co-host on the radio show, Gerald Holcomb. Go ahead and say something. I mean, just to prove that you're still alive and that's some missing person now that, you know, new episodes are not on the air anymore and people might be worried about you.
0: Yeah, okay, but uh, first, that's temporary Permanent co-host and uh okay hello everyone out there in podcast land uh my name is gerald holcomb
3: and Look, i, I already am said really your name. Ex- we already, already said it we may uh, not have to follow a time schedule with this but wasting time is still wasting time
0: but you know what i'm not well versed in this new frontier i appreciate being invited to be included in it but it will take me some time to get my bearings on uh how to perform my duties this is my first podcast ever
3: how's that even possible i know for a fact that every human on earth over the age of seven has his or her own podcast so i don't believe this is your very first appearance on one that's
5: not true uh, it's all fake news
0: well, except for our old radio show episodes that are available in podcast form online, it is true. And I must say, I'm really excited to be here. So, hello, everyone around the world.
3: Uh Ixnay, please, while I also introduce our intern uh, from the radio show, Chance, uh, whose uh, claim to fame was supposedly being the most popular person on our old radio show, you know, per a very, very questionable listener survey. Uh, And for the record, I never bought it. And, you know, the truth be told, Chance, with this new podcast, both you and Gerald were a package deal. You know, for for our producer, Lori, to help me out, you know, to get this thing off the ground, I had to take both of you for reasons I'll, I'll never understand. But anyway, so with a gun to my head, I will say you now have the opportunity to address our audience. Go ahead.
6: Yeah. The only reason I agreed to be involved in this whatever it is, It's because of the love of my life and soon-to-be wife Dorothy. No offense to your producer, Lori, but Dorothy is the person I take directions from, and she wanted me to do this.
4: Oh, and I so appreciate it, sweetie. It just seemed like the time would go so much quicker if you were here with me on this. Spud knows that the only reason I'm doing myself is because he and I are family. And family never walks away when needed.
3: And I thank you profusely for that, Aunt Dorothy. Okay. And Now, okay. I should let the listeners know, you know, what we'll be doing on this podcast, you know, and all of them. I mean, we're doing them and we were committed. So, anyway, it's going to be like a complete autopsy of my personally selected episodes. You know, ones that I look back on and think, you know, maybe I could have done something different or, you know, like take a guess in an alternate direction because I'll admit – not every single episode was perfect. There there were some that could have been better with a slightly different approach. And also also, yes, there were some episodes that were that I feel were actually pretty darn good. And I, you know, I totally enjoy reliving any brief moments of success in my career. That's yeah, so and there have been some. I haven't sucked all the time. Um, um,
0: you suck. Uh, okay, well Spud, what is the first episode that we'll be revisiting?
6: Well, I hope it's not one with the intern that was here before me. Man, he was horrible at his job. I will say, though, he did make me look really good when I took over the position. I heard he now works at a Popeye's or something, so I guess his life turned out okay.
4: Oh, babe, you've really set the bar so high for any intern that would ever come and follow you in your, following your footsteps.
6: Oh, thank you, Dorothy. Yeah,
3: okay. Anyway, I, I chose episode 65 to be our first one to, to take a look at. It, it was titled The Star Trek Intervention. Hey, here's a brief clip of the start of it. Which is
0: good, and, and that's, yeah. that's interesting, Spud. But listen, can I ask you,
5: are you curious at all about who's sitting to your left? Well,
3: I, I shook his hand. I, I didn't get his name. and get your name. Who, who are you again?
5: Uh, uh, I'm Jim Hannigan. Uh, I did introduce myself, but... Um, You didn't seem to be listening well i've invited jim down
0: here tonight for a sort of intervention you could say spud i or or we the staff here feel that you have a major void in your life a canyon wide hole that needs to be addressed I hope we're not going to make you feel uncomfortable Look, with this. I, I,
3: I don't do hard drugs, and I drink maybe a six-pack of Rainier a week, so there's no need for an intervention here, all right? You got the wrong guy. Well, this is more of a pop culture intervention.
0: Honesty is the first step towards expanding our world. Spud, it's a well-known fact that you have never, ever... Watched a Star Trek episode in your life? Now I'm sure anyone listening would scoff at such a proposition, but this is a whole a cold hard fact, isn't
3: it? I thought we were not going to really analysis <laughs> verified discuss this, you know, on the air. It's well. it's true, but big deal? Who cares? I have nothing against Star Trek or its fans. I just, you know, have a hard time getting into stuff that's not real. I, I've never seen a Star Wars movie or one of those Rings or Hobbit movies either. Does that make me a horrible person? <laughs>
6: Yes, but Goodman ignoring a program like Star Trek is worse than liking Jean-Claude Van Damme. Damn! And by the way, you will burn in hell for secretly worshipping that washed-up martial arts, ham.
5: Well, horrible is not the, the point here. I should now state that I am active in the King County Star Trek fan club and I'm also a board member of the International Federation of Trekkers. Uh, in addition, I've had numerous articles published in uh, Memory Alpha, the official yeah. Star Trek My bi-monthly name. fan club magazine. Am
3: I supposed to be impressed Shut the here? Shut f- up, Donnie. I-, I don't know. I'm impressed or feel sorry for you. I've still t- I'm, I'm up sp- in here. But
0: sp- sp- it seems to most of your staff, who by the way are all huge Star Trek fans, that you need to open your mind and heart to what we feel is one of the greatest entertainment projects ever undertaken. Gene Roddenberry was not just a writer-slash-producer. Yeah, yeah. He was obviously blessed with inspiration and direction from another dimension. Yeah. Gene Whatever.
5: still speaks to billions of humans That's to true. this day through reruns of his TV series and the feature-length movies. It has inspired... Okay,
3: I'm not going to contest that allegation, but I would add the verification of such would be problematic.
5: Uh,
0: Spud, Jim here has brought you your own Star Trek shirt from the Next Generation series that ran from uh, 87 to 94. For we, everybody here at the station chipped in to help pay for it, as they don't come cheap.
3: Uh, Alpha Two clearance
4: recognized. Please enter security code.
3: Yeah, here, put this on.
4: I think we got the right.
3: Side. Okay, the reason I chose this episode was to address how unfair it was to single me out on the air. You know, calling me an unfit member of society just because back then I just wasn't into like Star Trek, Star Wars, and in that little wizard Harry something. You know that. that and yeah, mo- most of the billions of those superhero movies too yeah it was just where my head was at at the time does that make me a waste of human flesh i don't think so yeah i was never really honest about this during that time in my career both on cable tv and radio and it just came down to for me personally if something can't happen in real life then i'm not that interested in watching it on the screen
6: spud anyone that does not enjoy sci-fi shows and movies with superheroes in them, just needs to be shunned. Yes! I'm sorry, but that's just how I feel.
4: Oh, I know how important Star Trek, Star Wars, and all the other shows that you love are to you, honey, but no need to attack Spud here on our first podcast episode. You might want to take it down a notch. Uh
6: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, I get it, Chance. I, too, continue to be very disturbed about Spud's lack of acceptance for the very best that Western culture has produced since Jesus first walked the Earth. But we should give him some time, and uh, maybe he'll come around to love
6: the Disney Channel as much as we do. My parents stopped our Disney subscription on my 21st birthday. They said something about me outgrowing it, but... well. It's fine now as Dorothy got it for me at her house.
4: Oh, and I know you love that channel. So it made me happy to do it.
3: You know, there should be some age cutoff with that Disney channel. Your parents were onto something chance. I mean, grown ass adults should be barred from watching it, but that's another topic for another time right now. Let's check out a bit of my interview with comedian Tom green on that episode. I think this was the first time we had him on. Uh, I don't think he liked me much back then. Um, you know. Anyway, we did this interview while he was on the train somewhere on the East Coast. Someone tell Dave, who I should say is still our audio director, to run the clip.
1: Come ride the little train that is rolling down the tracks to the junction. I'm
3: now on the train. Super. Do you have to go through like TSA to get on a train? I'm just curious
2: uh nope no none of that although i uh, i did uh, already checked in earlier so i was just up on the platform
3: all right super but, um, yeah so this is the first we haven't had anybody uh we haven't interviewed anybody jumping on a train that's pretty cool all right well i'm almost done yeah, with yeah, you but I'm i got a couple now. i got a couple more couple more for yeah. you um so i'm
2: probably going to talk at a different volume now because there's people around now so i'm going to whisper now okay
3: all right i guess i can deal with that all right it's kind of more intimate i kind of like it now actually
2: it's it's kind of weird though right it's kind of weird
3: no it's intimate i like it i like it actually
2: all right now i'm now i'm whispering it's kind of weird
3: take a look over your right and your left shoulder anybody like uh weird or interesting or anybody that maybe we could throw on the show or what do you think
2: no, it's just no, no, just a lot of business travelers. All right, but, uh, I've got a, I've got a three-hour train ride ahead of me, so. Uh, Super. I'm going to just kind of settle in here. All right. But, uh, if I look up my left, uh, if I look up my left, over my left shoulder, I'm looking out the window. So yeah, this is weird. I like this because it's weird.
3: Well. um I don't think it even rates on your scale, but I'll take it. We'll take it for sure. Um, so
2: it's, it's weird for radio. It's weird radio.
3: Okay, all right. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, in your resume, there's also an entry under rapper. You are MC Bones. How serious were you in pursuing a career as a rapper, right? Because you won a Juno way back in 93 for best rap record.
2: Yeah, when I was a teenager in Canada, I... Uh, you know, did a lot of music. I like making beats. I was kind of like that. That kid that was always playing with the computer and, and uh, using samplers and keyboards and making hip hop beats back in the back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, we uh, got a record deal in Canada, so you can see the videos from that on YouTube. The group was called Organized Lime. It was a lot of fun. I was, you know, 17, 18 years old, and uh, it was sort of my first, uh, you know, thing. What you would call Canadian show business. We were on Much Music, which is a Canadian MTV, and host shows on there, and that really kind of got me thinking about television and how I wanted to get into television so yeah it's been an interesting uh, interesting thing you know uh, when, when I made the bum bum song on uh, on MTV you know that was um, definitely kind of uh, sort of an offshoot of some of my early musical stuff we made that song in like, uh, in like an hour and a half uh, in Seattle actually we recorded the bum bum song in Seattle and I uh, went to number one uh, on, on, on TRL, on Total Request Live. Knocked Britney Spears right off the countdown. It was amazing.
3: Super. <laughs> hey, uh, I got to ask you, are you in a sleeper unit? Are you in like a little bunk bed? Or are you uh, actually in a seat in, on the train while you, as you're talking to me?
2: Yeah, no, I'm just in a seat here. You know, the train's not too full. I got a nice seat, so... Everything's good. Do
0: you think Tom might be confused or fatigued? I'm not insinuating early onset dementia, but it sounds like he's somewhat confused. Maybe you can walk him through this whole train experience so he doesn't get frustrated. I know from my helping my grandfather- Hey, how old do you think Tom Green is for God's
3: sakes? He's younger than I am. I'm just trying to help here. It sounded like he was a little bit disoriented and I thought maybe- You, you, you thought? No need for you to think, okay. I'm fully prepared to help Tom out here. Yeah. Hello. Hello. But right now he seems to be doing just fine, okay?
2: Checking
3: okay. with the train. What's he asking you for? To see your ticket? You do have a good ticket. It's not like a, you didn't buy it from like a scalper or anything,
2: did you? <laughs> yeah. Good. Here we go. <laughs> here you are. Thank you very much.
3: Do you have to like tip them when they ask you to see your ticket or anything? Did you didn't have to tip them? Did you? Thank, you?
2: Thank you. Thank you very much.
3: Did you tip them, Tom? Uh,
2: no, just for me.
0: What's
2: that uh, Yeah. Yeah. This good. I can wait. That's right, okay. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, thanks. hold on a second. Okay. Yeah, i to them up on top or? Okay, perfect. All right, thank you.
3: Hey. Did you have to tip them? All
2: right, so just checking in.
3: Okay. All right. No, no, I, I you don't have to. Okay, just okay. well okay, I'm gonna wrap this thing up because I know you got stuff going on there. It sounds like.
6: Um, That interview was before my time on the show, but you kind of harassed Tom during his train ride. I think you might have hurt his feelings. I doubt that.
3: Do you know how many people Tom Green has terrorized over the years doing his stuff? I mean, he didn't have any problem with my interview with him. Yeah,
0: you know, I still do worry a bit about Tom. I hope he isn't still confused while traveling these days.
4: Well, I was surprised Tom didn't have an entourage traveling with him on that train. None of that big star treatment for him, I guess.
3: Yeah, so anyway, so right now, I'd like to play a little bit of an interview with the musical guest on that particular episode, Radio On, a Tacoma band that sadly is no more. Um, Here are the guys in 2015 at their appearance on the show. All right, it's musical guest interview time. Please say hello to Radio On. Gentlemen, please uh, state your name, birth sign, and instrument of choice to enter into the official record.
0: Hey, everybody. I'm Andy. I play bass, and I am a
6: Virgo.
5: Oh, I'm John. Uh, I'm a Pisces, and I play guitar.
6: Hi there. I'm John L. I play
7: drums. I, I probably should be playing guitar. I'm an Aries, full on...
3: Hi, my name is Stu Miller, and I am a total Aries, and I play guitar. All right, super, so uh, give me the uh, For Dummies version of the band's uh, family history, uh, would you please? Yeah, well, um, I would always see John out
7: drinking
0: in bars, like, uh, and uh, we would always uh, get into arguments about which bands were cool and which bands were not cool. And I think it was decided
3: uh, one night about Last Call that we were just gonna settle it and start a band. Super. So let me ask you this: Since you started playing together, how many fist fights have there been? You know, I'm not, and I'm not talking about slap fights. I'm talking about full-on fist fights.
7: Mentally, a hundred. Physically, zero. But yeah. maybe that might change you here know, soon.
3: Technically, one. I did. I I beat myself up. I had a fist fight with my myself. <laughs> All right, super. So give me the name of the first song, and is there a backstory to it? Uh, Yeah, the first song is Electric No-No. It's the first song that we
0: uh, 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 played in radio on, and it's about Doc
3: Ellis' uh, famous no-hitter while on LSD. All right, super. Let's do it. Is Spud Show. I like that band. You know, uh, maybe they'll get back together after hearing this podcast episode.
0: I thought they were a little loud back then, but after hearing that song again, well, I still think so.
4: Oh, I know. I wasn't around in those days myself either. I believe you had a really young woman as your designated laugher, Spud.
3: Yeah, yeah, Gina, but she wasn't that young. Well, I... Uh, I think she was in her early 30s uh, back then. I'm, I remember Gina. Okay, So I guess now we're going to play some more of the show. I, I think this is a bit of my late mother calling into the program like she always did. You know, man, I, I really, really miss her. I know I always complained about her bugging me during my show, calling in just to get some airtime. But, you know, I, but I'd give anything to hear her voice on the phone these days. Uh, in this particular call... She kind of piles on about my, you know, lack of affection for Star Trek as she and my dad were, were huge fans. And, you know, that may have been one of the few things that they agreed on in their marriage. Uh, Dave, if uh, you can hear me, uh, cue, cue up that segment, please.
0: I got to say.
8: Mom, you there? Of course I am. I've been waiting on hold for quite a while. So, I just want to know why you have openly proclaimed to everyone now listening... You hate
3: Star Trek. That should never have been discussed publicly. Look, I, I I don't need uh you getting on me right now about that. Yeah. Everybody's on my back. I know I know you and Dad were big fans when I was growing up. Bud,
8: I suppose it's okay to say this now, but your father was quite worried about you back then. He thought he thought maybe uh, not quite how do I say it?
0: Normal for a teenage boy. Uh, y- you know, that's what my dad thought about me too, Mrs. Goodman. Actually, still to this day, he's somewhat disappointed in me. It's been something I've carried through my Look, whole life. Look, excuse me, I-
3: we're, we're not doing a, This Is Your Life, Gerald Holcomb, okay? Oh. Look, Mom, I know you both tried hard to get me into watching the show with you, but it just wasn't my speed. There's not enough violence, and the women were always, like, covered up. all Their whole bodies, like in that sandy part of the world, where you know, how they dress over there. It's just, I don't know, it was really boring.
8: All I wanted was a Betsy, just one
3: Betsy, and she
8: wouldn't give it to me. Hey, may, may God rest his soul. As you know, we had our differences, but you
3: have to realize that even if somebody has their differences... Differences? Differences, Mom? You two hated each other's guts. You argued from morning till night. I was surprised gunplay was never involved. Uh, nonsense. We had an amicable
8: divorce. Amicable? We just grew apart. And enough about our marriage. Stop trying to change the subject, Spud. That was a trait of your father's. I'm calling you about you repairing the damage you may have done by insulting all the Star Trek fans out there. We are a very sensitive group, and making fun of us is a terrible career move.
0: Oh, Mrs. Goodman, thank you for your support on this issue.
6: I never met your mother, Spud, but... She sounds like a really nice lady who had great taste in TV shows.
4: Oh, she was a great sister to me growing up. I mean, when she was able to focus on our relationship. In junior high, she became so boy crazy that it was years before we reestablished our bond. Oh, I too miss her dearly.
0: Uh, You know, I'm so fortunate to still have both of my parents with me. I guess because I'm so much younger than you, Spud.
3: Not really, and no need to rub that in, dude. I mean, Quite let's run the interview with our other guest on that episode, comedian and all-around great guy, Joe Coy. I have to say, right now, he's one of the biggest figures in stand-up comedy. He's just killing it, selling out large arenas around the world. Uh, I believe this was also his first time on the show back then. Cue it up and see if our next guest is on the line? Too late, oh, you Yeah,
0: sure thing, sure thing. Yeah,
3: yeah, oh, you know Oh, please what? welcome comedian Joe Coy to the show. Uh, how are you doing?
0: I'm good, sir. Thanks for letting me call in.
3: Yep, no problem. Uh, so you're going to be appearing at the Tacoma Comedy Club Tonight and with two shows on Friday and Saturday at seven thirty and ten thirty, so uh yeah. I appreciate uh, you know giving us a chance to uh find out what the heck's going on with you. Uh,
7: you know what's kind of cool is it's my homecoming, man. I live, I used to grow up, I grew up in Tacoma. I lived there for years.
3: Wow. Well. Yeah, you let me let me do a little bit of this is your life. I like to do that with my guests. Uh, okay, you were a member of a military family, correct? So you were all over the country, but you did spend some time in the Northwest.
7: Yes, I did. Eleven years, like eleven or twelve years of my life. Wow! All that right, my, those are the best times. Man. I went to Elswein and Spanaway and Henry Foss in uh, in
3: Tacoma. Oh, a Foss graduate the stadium. There you go. There you go.
1: Yeah,
3: um, yeah man. Well, you also. If i could continue this thing also later moved to vegas so here's here's something i'm going to run by you Uh, what was the biggest adjustment getting used to living in vegas not visiting vegas which we all do Uh, besides all the perks you know all you can eat buffets around the clock did you and maybe even hanging out with showgirls and i don't know how much you know how what that experience is like the only thing i've seen is like elizabeth berkeley you know and and uh they seem to be a troubled lot you know the showgirls so how was your life down there
7: you know, when I first moved uh, to Vegas, there was nothing. I mean, that that was before the Mirage was built, and you know, I was before the boom. Oh, it was it was like it was like traditional old Las Vegas. And then about two years later, that's when everything started coming—the Mirage and. And, uh, you know, all the big you casinos, know, Treasure Island and uh, MGM. So that's when the big money started coming in. It was a good time to live in Vegas. And, uh, and that's literally where I started my stand-up career. I started, uh, you know, I started making a lot of friends at the places I was working at and a lot of networking. And I started, uh, uh, you know, renting out my own theaters and selling tickets to my own shows. And uh, it, it, it gave me the opportunity to wear a lot of hats. You know what I mean. Instead of just being a comic, I was kind of like everything out there. I was the producer, I was the promoter, I was the talent booker, and and the comic on the show. And it's uh, I I owe a lot of my career to uh, to Vegas.
3: Huh? You know, I would think it'd be kind of like you know living across the street from Disneyland or Magic Mountain. Was it? You know, was it, was it something that still was still a rush, you know, and, you know, cause all of us fly in there maybe a once a year, once every other year, a year, times, you know, a couple times a year, whatever. Uh, what was it like, like it, the opportunity there at all times? So was it fun or was it kind of boring at, at times? I,
7: I think, I think when I lived there, I got a little numb to it. You know, I think cause I've seen it so much. It's kind of like the employee that worked at Disneyland, you know what I mean? He doesn't really want to be there. Right. But, uh, and that's how I was in Vegas. Like I wanted to get to LA. That's where I wanted to be. And, uh, you know, I was, I was a little numb to all the the stuff that that was surrounding me in Vegas. But when I moved to LA, I realized how much I loved all that stuff that Vegas had to offer, like the 24-hour, everything's open. I mean, right. nothing that's closed, and I love that. You know, where you come to LA, everything's closing at 10, and you know what I mean. And not all the grocery stores are open, and all the roads are horrible here in L.A., but in Vegas, I mean, pristine roads and brand new parks, and everything's just well-lit and, and beautiful out there, and, and you miss it once you leave, it's, right. but you don't really notice it when you're there, you know?
3: Right. You know, there's something. I'd, I'd, I've I seen you on many, many shows, television shows, and I've heard you mention that your ethnicity is somewhat ambiguous to your fans, and that's kind of cool, because I'm just kind of like a boring white guy, but you can like uh-huh. wear so many different uh, hats, so to speak, or whatever. So. That that's that's an advantage,
1: right?
7: Um, I think what happened with with uh, with my standup is I I tried my hardest not to be too specific about who I am, and you know I'll, I'll let them know that I uh, you know I you know that I am Asian, and I tell them you know but but I tell my fans through my mom's voice, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I give my I give my ethnicity a voice. I I I you know I have a character. I I you know I re you know I. I I pretty much become my mom on stage, and I think it makes it a little bit more relatable instead of just being yes. up there just telling the differences between my race and another race. Mm-hmm. I think people identify more, and, and instead of them just going, oh, you have to be Asian to get it, I got more people just coming up to me going, hey, man, my mom does the same damn thing. You know what I mean? Right. And, I, and I, 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 that's what makes me happy about what I'm talking about. Like, instead of doing the comparison joke, uh, I, I, I made it more relatable and I, you know, I, I, it took me a while to figure that out. You know what I mean? But, but once I started doing it and started telling the stories that I did, it, uh, I built up this little, you know, this, this fan base of, of people that just love my mom, man. I go to Nashville and there's not one Asian person that comes to the show, you know what I mean? And it's just a bunch of white people quoting my mom and I, and I love it. You know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, um, you were a regular on Chelsea lately, and we had F- Chris Vanjola uh, on a while back, and he said that there was so much creative freedom on that show and not a lot of suits looking over your shoulder. W- was, that like, was that a blast to do, that show?
7: That show, and uh, the, the, the one main reason I think all of us are a little sad that it's gone. I mean, we're all sad that it's gone because it was a great show, and Chelsea was great, but uh, I think what we really loved about that show is it was just organic, man. Like, there was no writing. There was like, I mean, we wrote, but it was like, just like Chris said, there was no one looking over our shoulders. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. know, uh, we, we got our sensor warnings, like, you know, we, just like you, you, you know what not to say. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and literally, it, it was just kind of like friends hanging out at the panel. Like, we never had to stop and reshoot any topic. I mean, we literally went in, and shot that show in an hour. That show was 30 minutes, and I mean, we would be done with that show in less than 40 minutes, 45 minutes. I mean, we were in and out. I mean, literally an hour it would take me to go into the studio, get makeup put on, shoot and then go back to my car and drive home was one hour and, and that's how amazing that show was it was it was a, it was a, a machine it was literally a machine and uh and it, it worked itself it, it was it was so amazing and i don't think there's a show out there that's doing that, that that's pumping it out that quick
3: and and for the record i'll ask running by you and now che- chelsea of course is a warm and cuddly uh uh woman correct just totally mis- misunderstood
7: Oh yeah, totally misunderstood. Uh, just <laughs> no, that's her, man. That's that's Chelsea. What you see on on the show, that's definitely her right. off the stage. And uh, but I will say that she is one of the most giving people I've ever known. I mean she she's enjoyed uh, her her uh, her rewards in life. Mm-hmm. She's also let everyone around her enjoy. Uh, it as well and she's been such a uh, that's why I, I owe so much to, to Chelsea she I could never say anything bad about that woman and, uh, and she she is nice to the people that are around her and uh, and everyone that worked on that show will tell you the same thing
3: well okay, <clears> thanks <throat> super um, Spud
0: I think the staff on this show who sometimes spread the word that you're often well a mean spirited asshole a horse's ass really need to know that there are others out there in showbiz who could give you a run for your money Chelsea Handler, for one, frightens me very much, and I, I feel fairly comfortable around you most of the time. Maybe they should watch what they wish for. Things could be worse, you know? Um, I don't really know how to respond to that. Maybe I should have kept that one to myself. Never mind. Please, just get back to the interview.
3: Yeah, I will. Um, well, you had an appearance on Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and I guess you could say kind of went well as you got a standing ovation. Was that uh, the moment you said to yourself, hey, not a bad career move? Yeah, that that was uh, the,
7: the that that day changed my life because I was literally working three jobs. I had a newborn son, uh, you know. I mean, not a newborn, but he was a little over a year. Mm-hmm. And uh and uh my uh I was working at Nordstrom Rack at the time as a shoe salesman. And I remember I didn't know how famous that show was. I didn't know how popular that show was until the next day after that Stanio every other customer watched me get that that you know watch my set that night and it was like it what a way to bring you right down to reality like on such a high because i got a standing ovation on the tonight show and then all of a sudden i'm getting you know this lady her shoe and she's looking at me going oh my god you were on the tonight show last time like yeah and she's like oh that's awesome you're so funny can i get this in a size eight <laughs> you know what i mean and i had to run back to get the shoe and and just realize, uh, you know, wow, like yeah, it's a big show, but I'm still a shoe salesman, so I got to keep working, man.
3: So how long did that? How long uh, after that appearance? How many days? It got to be in days uh, before uh, so you uh, left. The
7: Tonight Show, the Tonight Show literally changed my. I uh, I will say overnight on that one. Uh, there were so many people watching it that I, I started getting phone calls like a week and a half, like maybe a week later. You know what I mean? And. uh I ended up quitting all my jobs within the month. That month, I, I quit every single job. And uh, I was on the road, just working. I had so many, I was booked solid, man. It was crazy. Just for that appearance. Well, you're also a regular now. in Adam
3: I don't think there's a nicer guy now working in the entertainment industry uh, than Joe Coy. He deserves all of the success he's achieved in his career, for sure.
0: Yeah, Joe's success must make you feel a bit jealous, though, or or maybe bitter that your career isn't at the same spot it was back then, and or maybe even in a worse position now.
3: Is that a question or a comment?
0: Well, I uh, I guess both.
3: Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Moving on, Aunt Dorothy, I know you you're a really big fan of Joe Coy, right?
4: Oh, I sure am. Who doesn't love Joe Coy as a comedian? As he's funny as hell. And he is so freaking hot to look at, too. I'm
6: not threatened by Dorothy's lust for Joe Coy. As I've mentioned previously, in our relationship, we give each other space to develop crushes on celebrities.
0: And as I have mentioned previously,
6: both of you should
0: know better. Lusting after others outside of your relationship will bring nothing but bad things with it.
4: You're so wrong on that one, Gerald. I'm not ashamed to say that after watching one of Joe's Netflix comedy specials, Chance and I found it to to be quite an erotic mood starter. Right, sweetie?
6: Well, yeah, it sure has taken our lovemaking to a whole nother level.
3: Yeah, that's way too much information for me. Um, You know, I guess uh, we're going to play some more of the conversation with that Star Trek fan club president, Dude who was with us in the studio during this episode, uh, run it, please.
0: Celebrity scheduled, so it might be a telemarketer.
3: No, no, no. I straightened down my credit situation. I'm no longer in hiding. And all those collection companies, they stopped calling me last month. Everything is good now, so take the dang call. It could be a fan. You know, we do have a couple of them around the country. Uh,
0: Okay, if you say so. Uh, Caller, are you on the air? Yeah, hey, I'm calling from the Southern California chapter, and I want to talk to the guy who's been insulting Star Trek fans. The guy with the Goofy name. Oh,
3: well, who's to say what name is Goofy or not? What's your name? Brian. Well, Brian, Yeah. Mm, you know, I really can't come up with anything like that's really snappy with that name, so I'm just going to give you a pass. What, what can I do for you?
0: Well, when I first started listening to this show tonight, and I should say the only reason I tuned in is Jim Hannigan is on. I thought it was a joke or something. No way, no one could ever have not seen, at a minimum, at least a season or two of the next generation.
5: Is this... Is, Captain, we are being hailed. Is this Brian Kennison?
0: Hey, Jim. It sounds like you got stuck doing this thing, huh?
5: I did it as a favor for a friend, and, and uh, let's leave it at that, okay? I'll see you at our next meeting.
2: So, Spud, are you even open to experiencing what Star Trek means to so many? I can sense your disrespect, and this, I must say, it's really offensive.
0: Uh, uh, Brian, Spud doesn't mean any disrespect here. I myself set up this intervention to bridge the gap in his life. Making fun of him or attacking him for his lack of familiarity with the Star Trek franchise, it's not productive. I feel after he has a moment to take it all in, all the information, and realize what he's missed, maybe he'll begin to include some Star Trek content into uh, this radio show. Uh, I, I, that's that's my hope. Shut, up, shut. Our, our goal, our goal is to expand our audience, not
3: reduce it by ignoring what's so, speci- so special. Are, are, are you done with this? This has to be the most boring phone call I have ever taken on the air. Uh, and anyone listening right now has no recourse as to getting their time back, and that's a shame. You know, you are not just a dick.
2: You are a totally stupid dick.
0: Well, oh, hey, like I said, personal well. attacks, they're not going to be productive here.
2: I got to go. Jim, talk to you soon.
3: Bye, Brian. I think he already hung up anyway. Man, you Star Trek dudes are are sure super sensitive. Hey, Spud, before we sign off, don't you think you need to make a statement of apology to
0: Jim here and to the millions of Star Trek fans who you so obviously offended by saying on the air previously that you never wasted your time watching a Star Trek episode or movie?
3: That's nothing to be proud of, for God's sake. Look, I never said I was proud of the fact. It's not that I set out to avoid anything Star Trek related. I have no personal animosity towards the franchise or its fans. Jeez, all I said is I've never said seen an episode or a movie in full. I've surfed by it on TV, but I just kept on surfing. No slam intended.
5: Well, Spud, I, th- I think it would go a long way to heal the wounds of Star Trek fans if you could just extend an apology for not recognizing just how much of a game-changing creation well, their show was it is. It's changed the course of history. Okay,
3: okay, that's that's where I draw the line. I will cop to the fact that Star Trek is, is kind of popular, but... It, it's not changed the course of history, that's just like fairytale land. Uh, we don't
0: want to impose our judgment on a topic that literally millions and millions of Star Trek fans feel so strongly about Spud. I think the prudent thing to do here is apologize, make a commitment to correct your error. Why not say publicly right now, after you get home tonight,
5: uh, that, I no. think that pledge would go a long way in, in repairing the damage done here by the disrespect to your fellow Trekkies worldwide. No. I, I'm 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 what what you told me, no.
3: I, I'm not going to... You, know, you want me to watch the show, right? You want me just cave right now. You know, when I came home from my show, the last thing I want to do is, is tune in some sci-fi show. I mean, that's the time of the day that they created Cinemax After Dark for. I mean, to unwind after a hard day's work. Mm-hmm.
8: But how lame is it to center your viewing day around watching women with no clothes on? That is sadder than being some disgusting john driving around looking for a spitting image of Jessica Hahn.
5: Not ex- software porn does not exactly add anything to the human condition you know and please don't compare Star Trek to programs with full frontal nudity
3: whatever anyway hey I enjoyed this tonight's show I don't know about you guys really frankly that's that's your deal
6: as I mentioned earlier in my opinion people that disrespect the cultural impact of what science fiction fantasy and superhero movies and TV shows have brought to the world well They don't deserve to be recognized as human beings. People like you, Spud, are more like automatons. Cyborgs with no imagination, no heart, or actual feelings.
4: Mm, my, that's a bit harsh, babe. Different strokes for different folks, you know. My mother taught me that. When I was younger, I was very judgmental about others who didn't share my love for Bewitched. I knew it was a show about so much more than a witch and her family in the suburbs. But she sent me straight and taught me that in life, some people are just stupid and to let them be. Uh,
0: Mrs. Jarvitz, my parents would never let me watch the old reruns of Bewitched. They felt (laughs) it was a bad influence on the youth of America as it was the work of the devil. Now, I did later learn that they overreacted a bit. when i was an adult and i I became a big fan of that uh sabrina the teenage witch show
3: that is messed up yo i should probably say that i you know i've made progress in this area yeah um now i'm not totally turned off by star trek and other shows and movies about stuff that can you know never really happen in real life i'm trying to expand my world i mean i i love that show black mirror on netflix
6: that is very big of you spud but Everybody loves that show. It says nothing about your overall taste in entertainment. Yeah, uh, You know, I don't think I'm aware of that show. I- is it
0: about a nice switch, too?
3: Uh, hey, can, can I wrap up this first episode of my new podcast now? I guess I can because I'm in charge here. I, I, I don't think this one went too badly. I mean, there were, there were some boring parts, kind of when you guys jumped in and you know got things off topic. But overall, I
6: would say it was a qualified success. Well, if you say so, Spud.
4: Mm, it went well enough. Um, Ken Chance and I go now? I promised him we'd go out for frozen yogurt uh, right afterwards.
6: Yeah, you did promise me, Dorothy. Uh-huh. Oh, I would love to join you
0: two as my kids are away until tomorrow at their grandmother's and my wife has a ceramics class in an hour.
6: <laughs> yeah, I don't think so.
4: Mm, maybe what? another time, Gerald.
6: I'm okay
3: myself. I mean, no, no need to invite me. Uh, As you're aware, I I think frozen yogurt blows. Yeah, I'm I'm way more of a Dairy Queen Blizzard guy myself. But anyway, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to our next episode with this podcast thingy. It's kind of cool that there are no timelines we have to deal with, like, you know, to fill up a time slot on a radio station. We can we can end this any freaking time we want. So like right now, let's end this. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao.
6: Bye-bye.
0: Uh, uh, Spud, can I get your approval to say goodbye to after after you on this new podcast? Because I never really got the opportunity to do that on the
1: radio show. What do you think? Oh. The show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. Executive producer is Laurie Madsen. Video director is TJ Peitz. Our interns are Trent Botello and Anna Howell. Spud's Greek Chorus is The Folk Singers in Hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by On One at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2015, Spud Goodman Productions, David Brenneman speaking.
8: Hey, 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 karikala!
1: Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show, podcast, copyright 2023, Spud Goodman Productions.